Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast. Um, It's lovely to have you joining us uh, for the first time or perhaps a repeat listener as we talk about an exciting and interesting topic. Uh, Paul, welcome. Uh, How are you doing? Hi Josh, I'm very well thanks. Good to be talking about uh, about Jesus again. Exactly, yes, yeah. And you know, here at at the Bible Feed Podcast we we encourage people to, to read their own Bibles and oftentimes if I'm asked by someone who hasn't hasn't read much or hasn't read any, I'd probably recommend to start by reading the Gospels. You get straight into learning about Jesus, and it's it's a wonderful place to begin. But even if we did recommend someone to read and begin there with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, um, there still will be unfamiliar language, won't there? There'll still be um, some some challenging concepts. Miracles will start happening. What do we do with those? And uh, and so in in this uh, in this episode here, we're going to talk about some of the things you'll come across and how best to think about them. How to begin by reading the Gospels. Matthew, the, the the first Gospel in pretty much everyone's Bibles, begins with a family tree with lots and lots of names of people that you may or may not have heard about. Um, so th- there's quite a lot of stuff um, uh, right from the very get go uh, that uh, that people might find confusing or might find brand new and want a bit of assistance with. And so this episode will be uh, will be great to uh, to assist with that. In in the other Gospels, in, in Mark, we have uh, a baptism that happens uh, where Jesus is, is baptized, and there's some symbology and there's some things going on there that, uh, that you know, a first-time reader might not pick up. In, in the Gospel of Luke, we have two births, um, John the Baptist uh, and Jesus, and both are presented as being miraculous in some way. Um, and then, you know, the beginning of John's gospel, um, which uh, which I know you know very well, yeah. um, Paul, there's quite a lot of complexity, lots of simple words, but saying incredibly, you know, profound and, and massive, complicated and interesting yeah. things. It gets very theological right at the outset of John's it, gospel, doesn't it? Anything? Exactly. Wow, what am I reading here? There's there's not much sort of uh, sort of preamble to kind of get you warmed up and up to speed. It just kind of goes right in with some some heavy hitting stuff. So, you know, if you were to read uh, the beginnings of the Gospels, you might be might be fine. You might be really happy. You might have tried it before, and that's that's absolutely brilliant. Hopefully, there'll still be some stuff in this episode to uh, to be of interest. Maybe if you're totally on the other end of the of the spectrum and you deny the possibility of a of a supernatural um, anything or the existence uh, of God, then um, this might not be the 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 episode um, for you but if you're somewhere in the middle if you're curious if you'd like to learn more if perhaps you've started reading gospel and kind of got a bit confused and a bit frustrated and given up well then this is exactly what uh, what you should be listening to if you think there possibly could be a, a higher power out there but you're unsure what to do with this this language these names the miracles etc then hopefully this episode here um, will help you as you start to read the gospels thanks josh yes yeah, so let's get into thinking about how anyone coming to the gospels with that sort of, you know, putting a toe in the waters, as it were, mm-hmm. of, uh, of starting to read. And, and I think what we might say is one way to start doing that and start that journey is, um, is what people have called, um, sus- suspension of disbelief. Um, so start reading with that sort of suspending disbelief. And that's a little bit like, you know, when, when we, when we watch a film mm-hmm. and, and you think, Oh, that, that couldn't possibly happen. Um, I mean, my, my son's studying physics and, you know, you watch a sci-fi movie with him and he's like, oh, that's, the science is all wrong. <laughs> and, and obviously when I watch all, you know, movies about accounting, 
and I see careless accounting of financial instruments, I think, oh, that's all wrong. You think in all of those accounting movies, they'd finally get it right, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, but you know, when that when that happens, or you read a book and 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 it's it's a little bit of a tall story. You don't you don't just stop and throw it out. You don't cast it to one side. You just let that ride. You, you suspend disbelief. You let let that that ride for a bit for the sake of enjoying the story that the film or the book is telling. And and actually, in order to receive what might be a, a broader message and underlying truth of a different kind that the that the, that the film or the or the book is trying to trying to get across. So I think that you know that's that that's one perhaps first step to think about in, in coming to the Gospels. Right, okay. I, I hear what you're saying. You know, you don't just immediately close a book as soon as you, you come across something that uh, that hasn't happened to you personally mm. or to someone you know, right? Um, but a- as we think about the Gospels specifically and the claims that they make and all that kind of stuff, surely there must be some basis in historical fact that we we, we start from. Yes, absolutely. And, a- and actually, as we get further through this, I think we'll find that Christianity is making some very important historical claims, and it depends upon those historical claims. So, but but yes, you know, but to but to back up to the beginning, you know, and starting to approach and read a gospel in in this way, it, yes, you, you need a certain level of comfort that there's a historical basis for for what you're what you're reading, and 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 we can you know we can quite readily uh, and they're quite well known r- references. Uh, outside of the Bible, to to this man Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, which give us some initial comfort, if you like, that uh, that Jesus was an actual historical, real person that that really did walk around in Judea, Palestine, Galilee in in the first century. So, you know, just and the three probably best known examples um, are Tacitus, uh, a Roman historian, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian. And Suetonius, who was another Roman Roman historian, so Tacitus writes about the life of Emperor Nero, and 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 he describes people in Rome, that the crowds, the populace, identifying this group called Christians, and uh, and they're named that he refers to them as named after Christus, the founder uh, of the name, who had undergone the death penalty in the reign of Tiberius, sentenced by Pilate. Uh, so you know, some quite clear references to some of the things that. Uh, that are talked about in the Gospels. Josephus actually has two references to um, to Jesus. One sort of indirect. It refers to James um, as uh, as the brother. Something that happened to James, who is then referred to as the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ. Um, and then there's a direct reference that Josephus makes to Jesus, which refers to him as being a doer of wonderful works. Um, it actually, if you just pick up a, a copy of Josephus off the off a, from a bookshop and, and look up this passage, uh, or I guess you can do it online these <laughs> days, <laughs> um, it, it actually says quite a lot more about Jesus. It talks about him being the Messiah. It talks about him being crucified and being raised the third day. Uh-huh. But it's quite likely that chunks of that passage have been added to by later Christians. So it's a bit unclear as to what, what is originally Josephus' words, but he's certainly referring to a figure called Jesus who who did some unusual uh, and outstanding things. Okay, um, and then Suetonus um, finally is is writing about Claudius, uh, the emperor Claudius, um, and talking about the time when he expels Jews from Rome uh, because of the disturbances that they caused at the instigation of someone called Christus. So, so that, you know, there's there's those references to Jesus from yeah. outside the Gospels. You know, which for someone who never travelled 
more than 100 miles from the place he was born in a backwater of the Roman Empire is actually quite a lot of external references. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, someone who never you know, wrote their own books about themselves. We're, mm. we're, we're relying on, on, on others writing about Jesus. But it's, yeah, it's, it's great to have, yeah, some extra sources non-Christians, as you say, these are Roman writers or they're, they're Jewish writers, um, you know, writing for a um, for a, a very different audience, uh, audience um, and writing just to, to record the history um, uh, as historians. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's it's good to have that uh, to sort of ground us and sort of begin to, to put us on the map and to, uh, and to get some ideas. Well, let, let's think about the, the Gospels themselves then. We've considered some other historical sources, but what about the Gospels? Do, do they have value um, as historical sources? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's that's kind of the next step from what we're talking about. You, know, you go into them, suspend disbelief, but also just think about them as, as historical sources. Um, and, and in fact, I mean, Luke's Gospel, for example, starts with these words. It says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So it's, you know, it's got a dedication at the beginning of it to, to this individual Theophilus. But he's, Luke is explicitly saying, I'm going to give you a, a historical account. I'm going to give you a biography mm-hmm. of, uh, of this man, Jesus. And, and, and so it, it's, ex, it is explicitly kind of saying here is here is a historical source yes he's talking about the work he's done in in putting this stuff together and he's not just basing it off of you know one person's recollections but he's he's putting in some effort to 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 bring these things together to to give the best possible account of the whole thing okay and without going into the detail of of the of the sources and the evidence and so on the all of the four gospels are dated uh, relatively early so towards the end of you know, certainly the second half of the first century. So, you know, within 50 years or so of, of the time Jesus was supposed to have lived. And people have studied them and noted the accuracy with which they refer to people's names and place names and, and all of those kind of ordinary historical detail and information. You know, nothing miraculous about that. It's just ordinary day-to-day mm-hmm. uh, factual information about, about the time and place. And there's a high degree of accuracy in that. And and so, you know, scholars do from across the, the spectrum, whether they're Christians or, or not, do pretty much consistently cl- conclude that um, they are, the gospel records are um, a historical attestation to, to, to Jesus as something, someone um, remarkable and unusual. So, so Bart Ehrman, for example, who's a, who's a skeptic mm-hmm. uh, in his book, Did Jesus Exist? You know, he says, what can we say in conclusion about the evidence that supports the view that there really was a historical Jesus, a Jewish teacher who lived in Palestine as an adult in the 20s of the Common Era, crucified under Pontius Pilate sometime around the year 30? The evidence is abundant and varied. Among the Gospels, we have numerous independent accounts that attest to Jesus' life. So that's, that's pretty clear. Another historian of Christianity, John Dominic Crossan, says that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate is as sure as anything historical can ever be which is a pretty remarkable claim about, about it in itself. And then N.T. Wright, who's, um, who obviously is a Christian, he says, I don't know of any historians today who doubt the existence of Jesus.
those quotations focus on you know, did Jesus exist? Did just big picture? Did he exist or not? That proves quite a bit, but it doesn't. It certainly doesn't prove everything. Um, mm. So we, we've got to keep going. But but that's a a, a great place to uh, uh, to begin there. The fact that he was crucified also seems to be um, very uh, very surely held to by a variety of people. But there are also parts of the Gospels that are questioned or con- contested, where there's difference of uh, of opinion. So for example, we we looked at the beginning of um, of, of Luke chapter one, where he's talking about how he's uh, he's putting his uh, his gospel together um and as uh, as he's going through if you read through luke chapter one and we get to luke chapter two we get some more information given to us about the time when these things happen so luke chapter two verse one in those days a decree went out from caesar augustus so we've got you know the caesar of the time name checked and saying okay it was under this reign that this happened but then the second verse verse two of chapter two talks about um the the census or the sort of the registration that takes place when quirinius so another person mm. name check there when Quirinius was governing Syria this is when this happened but there's some there's some questions aren't there that, about the timeline about this adding up yeah yeah there is and, and that's the that's the one that is really um, you know is often brought out as a factual inaccuracy mm-hmm. uh, in the Gospels and actually even in 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 my Bible it's the English standard version there's an alternative rendering of the of the sentence this was the first registration uh, before Quirinius was governor of Syria, right, okay. which would actually resolve yep. the problem. But but the point is, you know, there are there are ways of of resolving that mm-hmm. because um, you know it, it doesn't seem as though Quirinius was governor of Syria at the time when Jesus was born. Um, so that's that's the inconsistency that that is questioned. But there are solutions to that. But we may not be able to pin it down with absolute certainty. But of all the facts, all of all the details of places and people and names and, mm-hmm. and governors and rulers and so on yep. that can be independently verified that i don't know thousands of independent data points yep. that are there in the gospels there's one here that that is a little bit awkward and there might be a question mark over but there's probably a solution i mean you, we've really got to get the balance right <laughs> against the wealth of historical data that is there in the gospels that that has turned out to be accurate and, and, and very precise in some cases so all right so there's there uh, there may be um solutions there but but also you're, you're right we have to to, to mm. get the balance right so if, if if we're trying to do that and we continue reading on and we are happy that you know the story has some basis in in history uh, and we're going through um, we might have, you know, some of the the miracles start happening. Um, we'll we'll try not to be at this point as we're going through too distracted by that. But say, okay, well that's what uh, that's what's being recorded and that's what's part of this. Um, what will we what will we find as we as we keep going on? What what sort of things as we're sort of beginning to read the gospels and trying to understand them? What sort of things should we should we look out for? Yeah, and 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 I think we can we can think about this in two sections really. We can think first of all about listening to Jesus, okay, and 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 the things that he said. You know, what, what do we get from that as a curious new reader of the Gospels, listening to what Jesus said, and then thinking about his his actions, his the way he behaved and, and some of the things he did. So so let's think about, you know, listening to Jesus, first of all. And, and there have been over time uh, various uh, quests amongst scholars, I suppose, to, uh, to to recreate the historical Jesus, to identify the, the Jesus of history. And, and one observation that more modern scholars often make is that people have done that in the people that have done that in the past have tended to create a, a picture of Jesus that is after their own image you know from whether it's from the 19th century or through through parts of the 20th century 
so that's so that's first of all yes we can we can go into into reading what jesus said but let's be careful not to just hear the things that we want to hear from jesus or hear the things that are consistent with a popular conception of jesus if you like probably the best the best way to illustrate that and i think it's quite powerful is with a is with a picture mm-hmm. which is quite hard to do on a podcast but <laughs> but but we'll we'll put the picture on um on the on the show notes uh-huh. but you know if you think of pictures paintings of jesus he's often portrayed neck to ankle in a white garment yeah for some reason always seems to be a white garment with a blue kind of sash sure it's like flowing robe kind of and and you you know the flesh of jesus that you see is his face and and his hands and and that's that's it Mm -hmm. and he's you know pale skinned um nice neat western looking beard and uh and curly curly hair sometimes it's even blonde very symmetrical face always yeah and you go back and look at early pictures of jesus and there's one from the middle of the third century and was found in a catacomb as you can see, he's he's bare chested pretty yep. much. Um, it looks like he's wearing shorts. His most of his legs, his knees, are, are dark skinned, dark hair, mm-hmm. um, dark eyed, and, and he's portrayed as a as a as a shepherd essentially with a sheep around his around his shoulders. So even even that from the third century is probably a stylized picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. But it's so different from the Western image of Jesus. And it just illustrates how how easy it can be to to just create a Jesus in our minds and our understanding that is you know what we want to see or, or in our own image as it were. Yeah, exactly. I like the um, the image of the painting and how we uh, we mm. we see Jesus that way. You think of um, you know Da Vinci's um, The Last Supper at the table there. I think they're eating fried eels, which was a thing that yes. Da Vinci liked and was local ish <laughs> to his region, but would not yeah. traditionally fear a meal eaten by a certainly not a Passover supper, not a Passover supper meal. Um, and so, if, yeah, we've got to be careful that when we look into the Gospels that we don't just see the bits that sort of leap straight out of us because I, you recognise yourself in it or you, you recognise your surroundings or something that you're familiar with. Yeah, so so with that pictorial example, mm-hmm. you know, coming now to reading and listening to Jesus, the words of Jesus, you know, we, we can come to it. And if we're coming to it with that more historical bent, then it is helpful to read what Jesus says, but think of it coming from a Galilean Jew of the first century and, uh, and and in within the context of the Judaism of the time mm-hmm. and actually many of the things that Jesus says it, it's it's identifiable that they are rooted in in the Judaism of his time they didn't spring from nowhere mm-hmm. um, into a sort of modern Western form they're, they're very much related to their time um, and not entirely a product of their time as, as we'll see but but certainly rooted in it. And, and I'll, I'll take a couple of examples. You know, the first, first I'll take from, from the Sermon on the Mount, you know, one of the, one of the famous speeches, uh, in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. Um, and, and one of the pieces of that speech is, is sometimes called the golden rule in which Jesus says this really simple statement, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And a sort of encapsulation of, of Christ's teaching in that in that context and, and stated in that very positive way and and you think oh that's 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 an amazing piece of wisdom it's simply put it's precisely put mm. it's positively expressed um jesus must have come up with this from from nothing uh-huh. and it's not it's not really the case it you know that that was that kind of concept was 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 already there and 
you know, there's, there's an example from the, the rabbi uh, Hillel, who lived about 50 years before Christ, I think. And there's a story that uh, someone challenges him to say, uh, tell me, summarize the Torah for me while I'm standing on one leg. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Hillel uh, rises to the challenge uh, and he says, do not do to your neighbor what is hateful to you. This is the Torah. Everything else is but commentary. And that's his response. So you can see there's a very similar idea. It's, it's sort of stated in the negative. Mm-hmm. You know, don't do what you wouldn't have done to you rather than do what uh, you would have done to you. Sure. Um, but there are other examples of, of people stating it, stating it positively. But when, when you look at that statement of Jesus in the context of the rest of the Sermon on the Mount and the, you know, turn the other cheek, mm. submission to injustice and, 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 and wrong and so on, Jesus' take on it is, is a much more full expression of this sort of positive choice to, to submit to injustice. Okay, that's a, that's a great example of, of, of some teaching, some specific words of Jesus that um, come um, out of, you know, the time in which he's living and make sense in that context and, you know, are, are challenging to us today and would have been challenging to the, to the people then. Are, are there any other examples you've got of other, other things that, um, that uh, Jesus says or does or, or talks about that uh, similarly uh, echoes or bounces off or maybe pushes back on, on, on other ideas that were, were going on at the time? A very different example. Again, it's in Matthew's Gospel and it's Matthew 24. And it's sometimes called the Olivet Prophecy. And so Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's overlooking Jerusalem. Um, you can see the temple and so on and the buildings of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And, and he weeps about it because uh, it, it's going to be destroyed. And uh, and so he gives this explanation of what's going to happen and the destruction of Jerusalem and the and the, the coming of the Son of Man uh, in in language which is very similar to some parts of the Old Testament, but also some of the writings between the Old Testament and the New Testament, an apocalyptic style uh, of writing. Okay, that it, it's all going to come crashing down, and that will be the point at which God intervenes. Now, and that sort of concept is 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 not. Jesus isn't coming up with something new or unique in that, um, but he does do something different with it, I think, because all of the other groups that had done something that said things like that. Mm-hmm. So the Qumran community, for example, that had the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, their approach was, yes, destruction is coming, judgment is coming, um, and then someone will be revealed, uh, and this is God's intervention. Their approach to it was to withdraw into the wilderness as a, as a separate, isolated community, and uh, withdraw from society and wait for it to happen. And then other people took a very different approach and said, we've got to arm ourselves and, uh, and actually we've got to make it happen. We've got to rebel against the Roman oppressor. We've got to fight um, and, uh, and, and make, this, make this thing happen by violence and bloodshed. Jesus did not, neither of those things. What he did with that message was to say, what you've got to do is watch yourself and how you behave. Stay in society, but watch how you behave with other people. You know, don't beat your servants. Don't, you know, defraud people. Don't, um, you know, those, those kind of things. Watch yourself and your, your behavior and how you, how you treat, treat others. Sure. Okay. I, at my, um, I was fortunate enough. My parents took me to, uh, to, to Qumran, um, a number of years ago and, 
you're right there's this community of people and they leave jerusalem mm. and it's it's like going into the moon it's the most barren sort of desolate place you're high up on this mountain the sun the heat was just intolerable um and and that's what they they chose to leave and sort of ignore all the stuff that was was going on mm. in the city but very very different um uh, way of yeah. doing things whereas you you don't see jesus you know advocating to go go set up a shop uh, uh, in the desert somewhere but instead exactly is right think about your own personal behavior how you're how you're treating other people and, and so so the, i mean the purpose of those two examples really is that in, in two very different types of saying, mm. um, you know, Jesus preaching is referred to as, as as preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God or proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so, you know, anyone coming to the gospels can read these sayings of Jesus and you can see the, the cultural roots mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that they spring from, but also see that Jesus is doing something new with that, with each of those statements and those ideas. And I think if you can see that, then you're starting to to hear Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God. Okay, so so let's say okay, we're, we're reading through the Gospels and we're beginning to to hear those words. We're beginning to hear his his message. But the Gospels don't just record the words of Jesus. They do spend quite a lot of time just you know focusing in on his teaching or people reacting to his teaching. But also Jesus goes to to, to lots of places and he does lots of things and we see him interact with with people. If you're if you're going through the Gospels at the first for, uh, for the first time, what sort of things would a would a new reader look for and uh, and hope to pick up there? Yeah, so so here we're we're kind of now thinking about about watching Jesus. We've kind of listened to to Jesus. We're now watching what. What is Jesus doing? How is he behaving with others? And I think, you know, instantly you start to pick up a a tone of behavior, if you like, with Jesus, mm. which is very much characterized by compassion and, and care for those that are, uh, you know, on the edges of the society that he he was he was living and and, and working in. Those that are on the fringes, those those that were generally outcast by the mainstream of, of society, if you like, right? And you, you you immediately pick up on that. But again, to our earlier point, we've got to be a bit careful not to just select those nice, kind, compassionate bits mm. that we see Jesus doing in the Gospels, which might suit our um, modern preconception or sensitivities. Sure, sure. Be- because we also do see Jesus doing things like you know overturning tables. Of the money changes in the temple, and and really giving quite brutal, stinging criticism of the religious leaders of his day, who, who had turned this religion to their own gain, and, and the hypocrisy associated with that religious leadership and the political leadership. So that's that's kind of what we see with Jesus when we start to look at the way he behaves with with other people. Uh, yes, we see the compassion, but we do also see the the justice and calling out injustice. But then, you know, a large part of what we see Jesus doing in, in the Gospels is the miracles. So we're going to have to confront how do we feel about reading those miracles when mm. you're not quite sure whether miracles are a thing. Perhaps a helpful way of, of doing that is to, th- instead of think about the miracle itself, Think about why the author of that gospel chose to include it in the narrative okay. in the way that they did, and that's that's perhaps particularly apparent in in Matthew's gospel, where in Matthew we've had chapters five, six, and seven, which are these sayings of Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount, and he says a load of things about how people should behave, and then in chapters the next two chapters, Matthew eight and nine, Jesus does a load of stuff, and he, and he heals people, and he, he heals a leper. 
who is definitely an outcast from society, a centurion, so a Gentile. He heals Peter, one of his disciples. He heals her mother, his mother-in-law. He heals a lame or a paralyzed man. He heals someone with mental illness. He heals a young girl of 12 years old. And he heals an old woman of an affliction she's had for 12 years. And he heals a blind man and he heals a mute. So there's a whole range of things. Mm. And, I, and I think that's kind of the point. Matthew is, is telling us that you know, Jesus here is addressing all types of people. There's, there's Jew, there's Gentile, there's male, there's female, you know, there's young, there's old. And actually in that whole combination of things, um, we're not really going to dig into the Old Testament, but there's, you know, there's a verse in Isaiah which talks about, which paints this picture of the kingdom of God, you know, the restored nation. And it says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So Matthew has put together, he, you know, there's, there's a lame man in there, there's the blind, mm-hmm. there's the mute. So he's putting together a picture of Jesus is the one that is to restore the nation. You know, this is part of the proclamation of the kingdom, if you like, you know. And there's even, I think you probably noticed that this girl is 12 years old and this woman had an affliction for 12 years. There's even a little poke at Israel of 12 tribes, I think, which is, you know, Matthew is saying this nation is sick and the mission of Jesus Christ is to heal it. Now, so, so you can, you can kind of read that text in that way and sort of get Matthew's, you can get Matthew's message Mm -hmm. while still suspending a little bit of disbelief about specific miracles and what exactly happened sure yes yeah so there's in in choosing and selecting these examples he's putting together you know a big case a big argument Mm. saying look here's jesus talking about you know things changing and people needing to think about their actions the sermon on the mount the lessons the teaching the the talking the talk Mm. bit and then we've got okay we've got the the action bit of of putting this into practice the the walking the walk bit Mm. what does it look like well it's turning lots of things around it's 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 helping people who are uh uh, who are blind who are sick who are you know struggling in in some physical way and uh and empowering encouraging them and helping them so yes it all seems to be driving and, and, and pushing in the same direction so i suppose that's what the, the reader is supposed to, uh, to to pick up on no matter which of the four gospels you might choose to start with you'll get those two sort of sides the the teaching the talking and then the action sort of uh, parts and you'll notice if you read all four gospels that there's quite a lot of similarity between um those early uh, parts there might be some slightly sections in different uh, orders there might be some miracles that aren't uh, uh, in some but are do appear Mm -hmm. in others but as you go through as you sort of get begin to get to the end they all start to become quite similar Um, and you have a big chunk in each of the gospels that then goes into quite a lot of detail about a short period of time when we talk about the arrest of jesus uh, the trial Uh, this is all happening in in jerusalem and then the crucifixion and the resurrection Um, so all four gospels sort of slow down and start really going into Mm. detail uh, this section clearly this is a big important bit where we're going to take our time and, uh, and go into details there, but, but but thinking about you know this 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 first time reader, specifically the the, the resurrection part, the, the trial and the crucifixion part. Well, there's some historical information there that we can think about. But 
similar to the to the miracles, of course, the resurrection. That's a bit of a harder thing to uh, to think about. What would you suggest uh, to for someone who's who's thinking about approaching that? Yeah, and and the the historical components of that event, you know, a an arrest of someone that the Jewish authorities felt threatened them, mm-hmm. a trial, and then a crucifixion. You know, that's that's all unpleasant, but ordinary. Yeah. To be expected, but the the all of the gospel writers, and you're right, there's a big chunk uh, in each of the gospels that focus on this. All of them put a wrapper around that of two things, I think, and and the first is that Jesus is going into that ordinary process of tri- arrest, trial, and crucifixion, and he's innocent. The point uh, of of the the message in the gospels is that Jesus has done nothing wrong. Right, he has he has done nothing but kindness, compassion, caring for those that needed care. And then he's put in this position of being arrested and, and crucified. Mm-hmm. So he's innocent. And, and, you know, as a historical point, you can't, you, you can never prove that as a historical fact. Sure. But this is the story that the gospel writers are telling. Jesus is, is innocent. And it looks like he's defeated. He's then, he, he's killed. And whatever mission he had with these wonderful words and wonderful deeds is defeated. But the last chapter of each of these Gospels actually turns that around and says, actually, that was a victory because of the resurrection. Now, you know, leaving aside what you think about resurrection and the proof of that, mm-hmm. what the Gospel writers are doing are presenting this innocent man who had, you know, given this message of, of restoration and hope being killed, but that actually being a victory brought about by, by the resurrection. So, so the message is, you know, it is possible if there's a God out there for victory to emerge from that apparent defeat and, and hopelessness. Leaving aside the resurrection itself, mm-hmm. you know, that's what the gospel writers are presenting. But just taking those two examples I've used together now, the you know the, the miracles and how they present, how they are presented, and then the, the resurrection, the, the nature of that victory. As as you read those how do they move you how do they touch you do you feel when you see people with terrible afflictions being healed <laughs> isn't it wonderful wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to do that and you look around and you see people who are afflicted with terrible diseases and, and you and you want to be able to help but can't and, and and then here's jesus apparently doing it and then the innocent and hope but hopeless apparent defeat turned into victory does that touch you or affect you by by leaving you realizing the unfairness of the system that we're kind of all living in, in which you know people that take things by force or it's just just lucky, mm-hmm. they're the ones that win out. They're the they're the victors, um, and how hard it is to achieve in in the world. Mm. And actually, there's a there's a comfort in this victory portrayed in the Gospels that comes about just through quiet submission and the giving of of oneself for for others you know i think if either of those two things you know without getting concerned about the reality of miracles or resurrection with any of those two messages kind of touches you then i think you're not just hearing it but you're also seeing the kingdom of god proclaimed in in this these accounts of jesus so yeah, you're you're letting the gospels speak to you and uh, mm. and, and convey their message. And I, I think yeah, as as we've gone through this, you've you've highlighted that yeah, if you begin re- reading and you begin by sort of taking the the catch off and just suspending disbelief to allow yourself to go through the gospels and and 
and and see what is happening and to listen to to what's being said you you may well begin to see something new something that is you know unique and something special about uh, mm. you know, the things that Jesus said and the uh, the things that he did, and that may well have an effect on you. And that effect might be that you want to 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 go on and 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 not just read in a, a sort of a historically focused way to analyze the mm. data that you come across as you as you read through the Gospels, but instead to read you know with something that's probably moving towards something more like faith. What might be the next steps then, if uh, if that's what our, uh, our our reader of the Gospels wants to do? That's a really hard question. To, to answer, I, I guess, because, you know, on, on the one hand, just going out and looking for the historical Jesus, you know, the, the Jesus that you can know for certain from, from a historical point of view, mm. just going and looking for that is not the same as faith. It won't, that doesn't produce faith. Maybe, as we said, you know, listening to those words of Jesus and seeing and thinking about the things that he did as a proclamation of the kingdom of God, maybe that can gradually build an acceptance of, of the miraculous um, and, and great if it does. It tends to be different with different people. Sometimes it's a life event mm-hmm. that just provides an opening, an opportunity. It may not feel like an opportunity at the time, but it just provides a, a, an opening for reflection on, on, on life and, uh, and a bit of a shift in outlook and, and worldview. Maybe it's, you know, the combination of those two reading in a, somewhat skeptical way maybe but then something happens in life that just moves things forward for you i mean ultimately the 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 hurdle question if you like the big question is Mm. if there's a god out there is he a god who is going to intervene in in human history that's essentially what a miracle is sure can you allow for for miracles to happen yeah and actually you only need one miracle for that to be a reasonable conclusion to come to that there's there's a god there who wants to intervene in human history and really the, you know the gospels and then the rest of the new testament present the resurrection of jesus as that very thing mm. as the one miracle this is the one miracle as an event in history that tells you that god wants to intervene in human history and and explicitly, Christianity as a faith is dependent on a historical event. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, if Christ is not raised, your faith is futile. If, that's, if that wasn't a historical event, your faith is futile. And so in that sense, you know, Christianity is, is a falsifiable proposition. But the interesting thing is, and we won't go into any detail because we do it in other, other episodes, but you know, it, it wasn't falsified immediately by the Jewish leaders, the Romans, mm-hmm. and suddenly this Christian movement appeared as a something caused by a trigger event, if you like, not not something that emerged from Judaism. And we saw that you know early adherence to um, followers of Jesus being willing to die for what they knew because they were there. But they knew it to either be true or false. So that's really the that's probably the next the next step is, a, sure. is the contemplation of the resurrection. You know, gospel gospel readings are great start and if that leads leads on to a, a little bit of faith uh, in what's being talked about then that's excellent but then that's just the gospels there's, there's the rest of the bible there sure. as well <laughs> so yeah and you know and luke at the end of luke's gospel jesus, there's an account of jesus saying explaining to two of his uh, his followers on the road to emmaus that these are all the things that were written in the law and the prophets and the and the psalms you know basically the old testament mm-hmm. about me so there's a huge amount to look for about Jesus in in those things as well, but that's 
That's for another time. Another episode. Another time, another place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. That is a excellent introduction to, to accompany someone, to hopefully encourage them and energize them to to continue reading through the Gospels. And and yeah, something very helpful um, as, uh, as someone thinks about what it is that they're reading, what it is that they're experiencing, mm. hopefully also possibly yeah. as as they read. At uh, uh, Bible Feed, we have um, a variety of other episodes that, that go into some more depth and detail on some of the, the, the subjects that you've uh, you've talked about. So thank you so much for, for listening um, to this, our, uh, our latest episode. Please subscribe uh, on whichever podcast app you use. And um, feel free to visit our, our website and uh, comment and ask any questions um, and have a look at the articles and the things that we have there and rate and leave us a review if there's other areas that uh, you're getting um, stuck in in the Gospels. If there's uh, particular sections that you'd like us to look at in a future episode, we would, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, one of the great places to, uh, to do that is on our Facebook page. You search for um, uh, Bible Feed on um, Facebook uh, or Instagram, um, Bible Feed Online. Um, you'll be able to uh, get in contact with us. Um, so thank you so much, Paul. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Josh. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Bible Feed podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're always keen to hear what you think, hear your questions or subjects you'd like us to discuss. Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey. Mm-hmm.